Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your brand new source for Green Bay Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I'm here today with my dad, my co-host, Matt, always here with me today. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing well. Went to a concert last night. Things are good. Ah, it's hot how here, was it? It was fun. Nice. Uh, Leon Bridges. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's hot as hot as hell here out on the West Coast right now, but, you know... Yeah. We're still here, we're, sweating in our, our respective studios, as it were. We are either literally or metaphorically on fire here in California right now. Yep, and that is kind of a standard way of being here in California. But tonight, today, we are coming recording to you this on Thursday night, September 8th. We will be prepping, uh, giving you guys all the news and notes and information you need for the Packers' upcoming Week 1 matchup versus the Minnesota Vikings uh, <laughs> as the Packers open their 2022 season and football's officially back, Dad. Yes, the first game was tonight. I did watch it. I uh, saw the the Rams and the Bills. Yeah, Bills are going to be Bills are going to be pretty dang good this year. <laughs> Bills defense is looking pretty tough. Bills offense was looking pretty tough. Josh Allen had more rushing yards than the entire Rams team. <laughs> Fun fact. But this is not a Bills podcast. It was a great game, though. Recommend uh, checking out the highlights if you haven't already. We are here to talk about that Packers-Vikings game, as we said. But before we do that, just want to plug some of our socials really quick. You can find us on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. You can find us on YouTube, the Father Son Packers podcast. This podcast is also streaming to any and all audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever podcasts can be found, you can find us. Um... But yeah, come on, check us out. Really help us with our numbers. Give us a follow on Twitter. Um, yeah, come in, uh, see what the see what all the buzz is about, so to speak. But um, anyway, Dad, without further ado, you ready to get into uh, prepping for this game? Absolutely. We've been we've been ready to prep. We've been uh, hoping to I've prep been for ready. this game for months. I've been ready for football to start since the draft. It has been too dang long since I've had some Green Bay Packers football. But I think. Let's get started. So, like with any game, uh, as you guys are going to get used to here on our Thursday night pregame podcast, we are going to start with the injury report. We're going to start with the Packers side of the injury report. I'm just going to read it off to you really quick. Uh, So, on Thursday, the Packers had two DNPs, which means did not participate, Mercedes Lewis, but that should not be that much of a concern. He usually does not practice on Thursday, and it was mostly a vet rest day for him. Uh, The one to be slightly more concerned about is Alan Lazard, who Matt LaFleur said, quote-unquote, got stepped on. Uh, It seems to be being marked as some kind of... Ankle injury. Ankle injury. Okay, cool, cool, yes. And then... Don't know exactly what that means. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a tough one. The ones who were limited were David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Darnell Savage, and Robert Tunyon. A lot of big names there. Uh, and the ones who are on the injury report but were full participants in practice on Thursday were Mason Crosby, Tipa Naliai, Jake Hansen, Dallin Levitt, Yash Nyman, and Christian Watson. So nice that all those guys are full. Dad, anything uh, strike you as interesting from the Packers side of the injury report? Nothing super noteworthy. I mean, the, the only change in status was Mercedes Lewis, who was just getting a vet um, rest day. Nobody mm-hmm. else got hurt. Nobody had a dramatic improvement that changed their status on the injury report. You know, we, there was already a surprise in terms of things like how quickly, you know, Levitt uh, got back to full status. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess also noteworthy that um, 
Mason Crosby is also a full participant, which is good to see coming up. Yeah, that's definitely good, the good news. I think there's a decent amount of bad news here that while a lot of people thought that Elton and Bakhtiari might play week one, were leaning towards playing week one, and they still might. They did participate in a team portion of practice on Thursday, so that's that's definitely good news. You would want to see that if they're going to play, uh, but they are still limited, uh, so it is still a little 50-50 on if they're playing. And Lazard still not practicing does not really bode well for his chances of playing. And also, no, he really, he, sorry, he really ahead. only has one more chance on Friday to see mm-hmm. if he can get a, a practice in to have a chance to play. And then, yeah. like, you know, and some mysteries were solved. On, but you know, on uh, Wednesday with like that, um, the pec injury for Jenkins, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. what what it was um, that he that he had to rest for. Yeah, and I think it is also concerning that Darnell Savage hamstring injury must have been very serious because it's been since family night. It's been five weeks, and I know you're supposed to be very cautious with hamstring injuries, but it's been a while now. Yeah, I I guess that doesn't... The time doesn't bother me that much. It's kind of what you would expect, actually. That's fair. That they, That's fair. Once it happened, they were just going to shut him down until they couldn't anymore is my Mm. suspicion anyway yeah and other than that there's not a whole lot really there on the injury report bobby tunyon said he really wants to play i'm sure a lot of those guys really do want to play i hope we see him out there but doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things but let's move on to the vikings injury report it is a lot shorter than the packers they had one dnp alexander madison uh, who did not practice for personal reasons, so not a whole lot of news, or not really much to know there. Uh, and then two limited participants in Jonathan Bullard and Lewis Seen, their first-round pick uh, safety. Um, yeah, what did it, with Seen showing up kind of midweek on the yeah, report. Yeah, he just got added. Probably something they're worried about. Yeah, yeah. So it's I would imagine, given the fact that he just popped up on there, he might not play. Um which would be tough for them first round pick. You want to see him on the field. Uh, but honestly, I think, you know, mostly I would, I think you could look at this injury report and say they're looking, they're looking pretty clean for week one. Yes. Yeah. They, they their uh, injury report is pretty short. Yeah. You'd say that again. Um, but anyway, dad, let's uh, get on to the game preview. And I think what I think makes most sense to start is to talk a little bit about LaFleur's history against the Vikings. LaFleur is the LaFleur led Packers that that is are four and two versus the Vikings. Although the Vikings are the only other, the only NFC North team to beat the LaFleur led uh, Green Bay Packers. Uh, last year, they split home and home. The Packers took the second matchup 37 to 10 in Green Bay week 17 in the snow a little bit. Kind of, was it uh, Christmas day? Am I, am I, am I remember that correctly? No, it was later. Christmas day was the Browns game. Ah, yes, you are right. You are right. Good call, good call. It was actually a 2022 game. Um, Ah, yes, you are smart. It was, was, yeah, it was just after the turn of the new year. Um, But Kirk Cousins, uh, if you did not remember, did not play in this matchup. So it's a bit of one of those games that obviously very nice to beat the crap out of the Vikings, and I'll take any, any one of those I can get. But in terms of trying to predict how this game will go, it's not entirely valuable, I would say. I, I think what you really can't measure much is how the defense performed against uh, Sean Mannion. Though yeah. the Packers' offense did pretty well. Yeah, yeah, but you know, 
I'd have to look drive to drive to see how many short fields they got. I was going to say, it is a lot easier to play offense when the other team is not moving the ball at all. And the defense is on the field all the time. But anyway, that's why we decided to take more of a closer look at our first matchup versus the Vikings, in which the Vikings won 34-31 to in Minnesota in Week 11, in terms of trying to kind of use that game to project how this game might turn out. So, like I said, the Vikings took that first matchup, 34-31. to uh, Just as a note, though, the Packers did not have Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, Alan Lazard, or Robert Tunyon, or Jair Alexander for that game. And that it was the, also the game that they lost Elton Jenkins to his torn ACL for the year. Um, I definitely, to me at least, felt like a game where the Packers kind of screwed around for three quarters and made a bunch of bonehead errors. Dad, I don't know if you feel the same way. But I also, I'm trying to remember, I think this is the game they had that Cousins tried to throw three interceptions to them or something like that. And they did, couldn't come up with any of them. Sounds like Cousins to me. I believe it. <laughs> I remember thinking afterwards, like, man, they were trying to give us the game. And we just I'm, kept dropping it. I mean, they were trying to give us the game the whole second half. I mean, we were down 13 points with 335 left in the third. And came back at the start of the fourth, took the lead 24-23. We fell behind again 24-31. Uh, the Vikings got their, converted their two-point conversion on a Dalvin Cook run. Then we tied it up again on a massive MVS, like, 75-yard deep shot. Is that, is that like, he's deep just, post? He was is just running a... free. I think it was, like, a, it was a deep over, deep post, something like that. He was just running free, and or he had a guy on him, but the safety was nowhere near fast enough to catch him. Um, but in one of the few instances last year of the defense letting the team down, they let Kirk Cousins uh, take the Vikings down the field, two-minute drive for a game-winning field goal, and uh, that was it. That was all she wrote. Um, the Packers defense kind of crumbled a little bit down the stretch. I think it was one of their worst games last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it made a big difference. You know, they already were without Jair, but when they didn't have Gary, they weren't able to get, I mean, they, they had two sacks by Preston, four tackles for a loss. Um, but that's kind of it. And I think yeah. he had too much, he had, just had too much time. Of course, those numbers would have looked a lot different if they came up with some of those interceptions. But still, they—they, they, uh, I think, I think one of the differences is the uh, the lack of pressure without one of the, which is kind of the thing that's a little scary about this year. If you know we're missing one of uh, mm -hmm. um, Preston or Gary. I mean, yeah, we saw it last year, and I mean, Gary. I think that was the game where I realized, like, wow, Rashawn Gary is really important to this defense, like even more than I realized. Like he is. He was probably the—I think he's getting up to about Kenny Clark levels of importance. I know that's a bit of a hot take because Kenny is amazing. Kenny's awesome. I think Rashawn Gary is probably more important than Kenny Clark this year, and I, I don't think that's even that bold of a take given the D-line. No, I don't think so. I think he's actually kind of at the level now where Kenny was previous years where the drop-off between Gary and the guy who comes in for him is enormous and probably the biggest on the team. Well, in other years, you could have said that for Kenny because of who else was on the defensive line next to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, Gary, I think combination of the depth behind him not being as good and also just the strides that he's made as a player in the last, like, year and a half. Like, he... Or last year, sorry. He's... I, I wouldn't be too... I don't feel too bold saying he's a top 10 edge rusher in the league at all. Oh, yeah, not at all. Yeah, he's he's become elite, and... and 
by all indications from camp and what people are saying is he's made another jump this year. It reminds think, compared me compared to last year. Yeah, it reminds me of like that the camp where Zadarius Smith was first with the Packers, and everyone's like, no one can block him. No one. He's walking yeah. through every single time. He's in the backfield. They can't even practice because he's too effective. Let's hope but, that's not the case this week. I know, right? Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that a little bit. But I think while we're talking about the Packers defense, uh, we can talk a little bit about how the Packers defense fared against the Vikings in that game. And pretty much what happened was Justin Jefferson completely annihilated the Packers. He had eight catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns, which is just patently absurd. He is amazing. He's very good. Um, and then Thielen, and then like... and and Thielen talked tacked on eight catches for eighty two yards and a touchdown himself. So you know the lack of pass rush and lack of Jair playing, the Vikings receivers just eviscerated the Packers secondary last year. Yeah, this is one you can tell that Stokes wasn't ready by this game, not or not as effective. He was still still going through some growing pains. Well. Then, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know and, if it's and, fair to say he's going through growing pains. He's going against a top two, top three receiver in the league. Like he's getting his yes, like really good. That was like good hurts. corners can't guard these guys. Yeah, you can't completely shut somebody down at that tier. No, no. I I, I think Jefferson's a top three receiver in the league for me. It's Devonte Cooper Cup and him, and then everyone else. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, um, I think the but only yeah. other person you'd put in that tier right now. We'll see how it goes this year. Is Jamar Chase. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of such good receivers in the league. But anyway, but yeah, yeah so I, the, I, would, the, I wouldn't argue with your top three. Yeah, I mean, the, so the Vikings receivers completely annihilated the Packers. Um, looking at the rest of it, Kirk Cousins had a really good game, 343 yards for three touchdowns and no picks. Not for lack of trying, as we said. Yes, it's not that he had zero pick-worthy throws. He just didn't end up with any picks. Yeah, the Packers said, we're good. We don't need those. Um, and then Dalvin Cook had 22 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown and three catches for 29 yards, putting him at, putting him at above 100 yards on the um, total for the game. Um, so pretty much all of the Vikings' b- good players just kind of did what they wanted, I would say. It's fair to say. Yeah, everybody had a good game on, of their, their uh, top skill players. Yeah, so that, that game. That's definitely something that's going to need, obviously, to change. Um, but, you know, not having Gary, having Jair back, hopefully, you know, Jair. So I was going to save this for later in the podcast, but I think now is a good time to bring it up. The last time that Jair and Justin Jefferson played was in 2020 in November, um, the November 1st game. Jefferson was coming off of a nine for 166 yards in two touchdown games had and had three 100-yard games in his last four. Uh, but Jair in the Packers' secondary that game held him to three catches for 26 yards. And I know Jefferson has grown a lot since then, but clearly he was already very elite as a rookie. How does that Jair-Jefferson matchup go this time? I think it's going to be a really big like barometer for how this game goes uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the Packers' defense in this coming game versus that game, we are essentially adding what we think are two all-pro caliber players to the defense compared to that game with Gary and Jair, as well as other um, peripheral improvements with Quay Walker, Jerron Reed, 
um, an improvement for other players on the mm-hmm. roster. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really important thing to note and a good reason to be hopeful for why the defense, if you wanted to make the case for why the defense would be better this time, there's a lot of like good evidence there, as you just pointed out, that there's a lot of reasons that the defense can be better this time versus the Vikings, as opposed to last year when they really struggled when Kirk Cousins played. But now let's take it over to how the Packers' offense fared against the Vikings last year. Uh, actually, a very good game for the Packers. Uh, Rodgers, 23 for 33, 385 yards and four touchdowns. Like I said, they did not have Aaron Jones. They had they did struggle on the ground, only 11 carries for 53 yards for Dylan. But part of that is a bit of they were uh, down so much of the game that they did have to pass a lot. MVS had 123 yards and a touchdown. Devontae had 115 yards and two touchdowns. But unfortunately, the non-MVS and Devontae pass catchers combined for just 147 yards and one touchdown. And yeah, I and think 40, that that and, is and definitely... 44 of those, 44 of those yards were... Uh, were Dylan. Dylan. Yeah. His other, his other yards. So only 103 yards for the other receivers on the team and tight ends. And, and that includes the tight ends, right? From the wide yeah. receivers alone, it was just 51 yards from the others. So... Lots of room for growth, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, we had what? I think we had what thirty six from EQ and fifteen from Cobb, something like that. Yeah, and I mean, and e- it's not like EQ's here. <laughs> so yeah. let's just say there's a lot of there's a lot of food on the plate for for everyone okay, so to have a bite of. You know, we're only returning fifteen receiver wide receiver yards from that game. You know, give or take. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, I'm not going to worry too much. They're, they've added a lot of, like, there's, there's some pass-catching juice that has been added there, and there's a lot of opportunity to take it. Yeah. Should that, that that doesn't actually worry me uh, too much. That you know, Thinking about, if you actually broke it down, how many were, because Lazard didn't play that game, where there are other play, players yep. we have in the roster we did last year. Well, but hopefully those hard plays this week. I'm not but holding my against breath. that secondary and with the way that uh, Lafleur can scheme people up. But I'm not that worried about being able to get yardage. Yeah, that, I mean, think about it. Secondary. MVS is a very good player. He was more experienced, but I think just like talent wise, I don't think there's a lot that he did for the Packers that there's any reason you think that some combination of Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, and Christian Watson can't do. You know. Right. I so I think I think that like it's one thing to say like that Tay's production can't be matched because he was that good. I think there's there's a lot there that Dobbs and there's a lot with for with MVS's like usage there. And I think that that actually is a bit of like like a green flag in terms of hey, this deep threat was able to put up a lot of production versus the Vikings last year. It's still just Harrison Smith back there at safety, and the second safety is a question mark if Lewis Seen doesn't play. Like, and it's honestly still right. a bit of a question mark I even heard, if he does. But I think he may so, have already moved up to number two on the depth chart. Is that, is that I right? have not seen, but I wouldn't be surprised if first-round pick. But I think the fact that a deep threat, just a, a kind of a pure speed guy in a lot of ways, no disrespect, um, was able to have that success is a good sign for christian watson romeo dobbs sammy watkins etc like those deep guys i think that's nice um and then another quick note i had um 
for the Packers is that the receivers had three carries in that game, uh, which I thought was a nice little nugget. They gave um, EQ and Amari Rogers both carries. Rogers had a carry, I think, for 18 yards. Um, Are you um, – that might have been Aaron Rodgers. Oh, carry. you – yes. It's That's a, a good Rogers. point. A Rogers. It's not a the Ro- It's not the Rogers. It's no. Yes, I, you are probably I think right. Those yes. are actually Aaron Rodgers' scrambles, not Amari okay. Rodgers. Okay. Ignore, ignore everything I just said. Um, but I actually, I would like to see Amari get some touches. Though was what I was going to lead into this. Um, get I some think carries. that's something they're doing a lot more of this year mm-hmm. than they were even trying last year. I mean, they did some of uh, Amari jet motion, but they only actually handed the ball like I think less than five times all year. It was small. It was um, not a lot. Um, but there was, uh, but they've been lining him up and, you know, this week he was like working with the running backs apparently for some of the drills. Yeah. On, I um, mean, Wednesday, maybe I forget what day, but he was, he was there at the beginning of before team period doing a few of the running back drills. Yeah, and like we said in our 53-man roster breakdown, go check that out. It's on YouTube, Spotify, etc., like we said before. He is the de facto third running back in this offense right now, unless, like, a barring promotion during game day, which they'll probably do for emergency sake. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has the third most carries on the team by the time the year is done. Yeah, it's going to be very curious. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do in terms of uh, um, call-ups from the practice squad. Yeah. I mean, with Devontae out this year, or not out, but gone, you know what I meant? I think yep. this is the year that LaFleur really empties the bag on the tricks. He's just going to be pulling out yeah. the jet sweeps, pulling out the motion nonstop. Because I know, I can't remember who it was, but someone was saying that Devontae being here was kind of a like a tie to the old Rogers style of offense, where uh-huh. it's a bit of like, you know, see, the, like trust the guy to beat him timing mostly timing in the routes um like just a lot of one-on-one stuff whereas now that Devontae's gone it's going to be probably not as good of an offense like obviously because you don't have the best receiver in football but that it's going to be a lot more on Lafleur to make the offense run and so it's going to be a lot more Lafleur style tendencies such as lots of end arounds in motion for Amari Rodgers yeah, I think the thing that could unlock this offense to being better than last year's, at least last year's playoff offense, is going to be the offensive line. How healthy are they when the playoffs roll around? And that's something we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, that's, we don't even think, we don't we're going to have to wait and see how healthy they are for week one. Like, yeah, every week. But the, but even if they're healthy now, I think the big question, the big thing that'll make the difference, I think, in the playoffs for them this year versus others is going to be if they have a fully. You know, they're, they're number ones on the offensive line at all the positions, which they haven't had the last two years. Yeah, and I think a big reason that the offensive line is so important for this weekend is that while we've talked a little bit about how the Packers team has changed from last year to this year as we've tried to apply what we learned versus that game in that game versus the Vikings to this year versus the Vikings, a lot has changed for the Vikings, including the fact that they have Daniil Hunter back and have signed Zadarius Smith. So they have added two all pro pro bowl level pass rushers to their defense since the last time like we played them which for a team that doesn't exactly know which tackles are starting week one is a bit scary i would say i don't know i'm i think it's a bit scary that's a little nerve-wracking to think about what our tackle is going to be if uh 
Um, I, I guess we just gonna have to wait and find out. This is the thing is like Lafleur knows. I think he said he already knows what five we're gonna start. Though he's not, uh, he won't divulge until Sunday morning who the starting five are gonna be on the line. Yeah, and I mean that tackle situation is a little dire because, like I said, those pass rush pass rushers are. I mean, they're nothing to play. Like, those are premium-level pass rushers in the NFL. But I think we would be a bit remiss to say, sorry, excuse me, uh, if we didn't talk a little bit about the Zadarius Smith uh, conversation that's been going on this week. What do you um, What do you think, Dad? Captain, not Captain Zadarius Smith. Oh, Captain, my not Captain. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I will say, I though. I don't know how much to I, make of what he's saying now i mean i mean he's on the other team i don't i don't blame him for talking trash like that's that's part of the that's part of the deal in some ways it's exactly what you expect he's trying to um you know work himself up get hyped up for the game looking for motivation yeah i mean i'll always i don't have any real bad blood i've seen a lot of fans on reddit have like bad blood with zadarius smith being like oh you didn't try last year you didn't try to come back that I I will always have good memories of Zadarius Smith. He was one of my favorite Packers for the two years that we fun. had him. I mean, I got a I got a Zadarius Smith jersey. He was a yeah. lot of fun to enjoy him by the Packers. He, he was my he was my favorite year. Packer for a year and a half, two years. Like I I I'll still always love Z. It was it was fun. It was, you know the the Smith brothers interviews the the sacks destroying the Vikings. That was all fun. That game was crazy when he had like four sacks and six tackles for a loss. But oh, uh, great game, yeah. Whatever happened last year, I think he's you know now using it to get himself. Uh, yeah, and I mean ready I don't, for the game, which is I don't blame just, him. If you if you stand, haven't it's, seen, it's just if you haven't practice. seen what he what he said uh, for those great good listeners at home, what he pretty much said was um, when he came back from back surgery, he felt ignored by not just the team as a whole, but individual members of the team. Like they weren't even like asking him how he was doing. Uh, and I think that plus not being voted the captain after being a defensive captain for two years, being the defensive captain for two years, um, I think kind of rubbed him the wrong way. And now he's on the Vikings. He said he joined the Vikings because he wanted to play us twice a year. It is what it is. Uh, Matt LaFleur yeah. was no, asked no, about Vikings it. Weren't, it was sort of his first choice. He was going to sign yeah. with Baltimore. And, and then, then that fell apart for some reason. Yeah, who is a bit of a... Uh, each person saying different reasons why it fell apart. They, he said he never agreed. They said that he asked for more money after agreeing, yada, yada, yada. But pretty much someone asked uh, LaFleur that during the presser today, and he said, well, you know, I'll always have love for Zadarius and what he did during his time here. I remember things a little differently, but it is what it is. And so I think, like, there's no reason to make a bigger deal of it than um, – then you have to. I think everyone's going to be kind of smiles and waves like before the game, and then once the game starts, obviously they'll be trying to rip each other's heads off because right. football, because good, <laughs> good old football. Yeah, all in good yeah. fun. I, well, I don't. I don't. The think... end is that will uh, this will turn out to be nothing. Yeah. The game. <laughs> you know, or we or we just really beat them that badly that he's upset, but not too upset. <laughs> I'll take that too. You know. And, and but... there are other ex Packers on the Vikings. You yes, know, uh, they've also added team. Shannon Sullivan. That's a good note. I was always, um, I always thought Shannon Sullivan was better than people realized, in my opinion. Well, I think what happens, he started off really well when they first got him off of was it Jacksonville Eagles or no, Eagles? I think, Eagles, I think right, it was the Eagles. Eagles. Um, but then I think he didn't. 
he kind of stalled. He didn't get any better. And, and mm-hmm. maybe he, and people found his weaknesses or something because he was, he seemed to have not been quite as good and was able to get targeted in, in games and um, by other, by the good quarterbacks anyway. Yeah. So but, they made uh, that. So hopefully that we can return that favor. Yeah. So they made that addition. Uh, they've made a couple additions along their O line. I know they're very happy with how their tackle, Christian Darisaw, their second year tackle. Um, has come along. I think uh, a lot of people, I think Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football had him as one of his breakout players this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so that addition. And then the biggest addition, I think, is the new coaching staff. Oh, yeah. It's a com- and, a, and a completely different philosophy as opposed to Zimmer being a defense-minded coach. Now they've gone with a offensive-minded head coach from, from the McVay tree. So... I know Zimmer, Zimmer saw offense as an inconvenience. I think he really apparently, did. I think he, apparently I think he wanted points per stop. <laughs> he may have also seen some of the offensive players as inconveniences. Could, um, if you believe the rumors about how... Uh, he, how much know, he hated Kirk Cousins. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And but so, an entirely so, so new be, offensive... You could be um, seeing a similar style mm-hmm. uh, played by the Vikings as by the Packers. Yeah, and it's... Um, Kevin O'Connell from the formerly the offensive coordinator of the Rams. Uh, he's from that McVay tree. Um, so, you know, they're going to be running a lot of the same things as us. Um, we'll see how it works for them. They kind of had something sort of similar when they had Stefanski there, you could say, but obviously he was just the offensive coordinator, not the head coach. So I think the offense might be a little more similar to that year two, two, three years ago uh, when Stefanski was the offensive coordinator there, um, just as a bit of a kind of, like margin for comparison. Um, but those I think are the biggest changes that the Vikings have uh, going forward this year. Yeah. And we've um, also had a couple of Packers coaches or former Packers coaches, Mike Smith, mm, yes, Mike Smith coach, and Mike Patton. I miss Mike Smith. He was so good. He was such a good coach, but yeah, you know, so they got a lot of people who know the Packers. So right. there are definitely a lot of advantages there for them. Yeah, yeah, but I think, I, I think it's fair to say. I think both sides are going to mostly know what to expect from the other. That's fair. Although I think, I think there's not really more... a lot of, I mean, there's no game tape on the Vikings right now because this is going to be their first game with this head coach. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. But anyway, that's kind of a brief preview based on last year's game, comparing it to how it might affect this year's game. We're just going to jump into now some general thoughts we have, and we're going to start with some things that just general things that we're positive, excited to see. Um, something that I'm excited to see is what is the starting O-line? Are we going to get finally, for the first time ever, Bakhtiari at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at right tackle? It's, it would be the first time, right? Or No. Oh, they played wow. like we ten snaps before Lane snaps Taylor snaps. before Lane Taylor got hurt, right? And then Elton Jenkins had to move back to guard. Do you remember that? Mm, but also, oh, oh, uh, I forgot. Did so? Did, I guess Jenkins played a few snaps at tackle then. Yeah, it was yeah, Week One be. versus the Vikings in the COVID year, and Lane Taylor got hurt. And then they had to kick Elton Jenkins back in, I think, if I remember correctly. But that's, I think that's the, that, that, what was the time you were thinking of? Because I think that's the only no, time we've had. Okay, yeah, it's not, what I was thinking, of, of course, is work. 
You were thinking the, the Lions game last year? Yeah, because Jenkins was out. Jenkins was out, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, will we ever – and I think this is actually what the Packers have been planning on for a number you of years. You know what they say. say. Like, who's going to be the tackle? Who's going to be the tackle? They've been planning for Jenkins to be the tackle, I think, for like three years. You know what they say they about have, the best laid plans. They have drafted like nine offensive linemen in the last – three years and, like, and only no one tackles is a tackle who is staying at tackle mm-hmm. and that's seventh rounder Rashid Walker everybody else has been an interior lineman or somebody they're converting to interior lineman so clearly Zach, Zach Tom is, is still a tackle I just want to <laughs> argue that that Zach Tom is still a tackle I know yeah, he's listed and, second in the unofficial depth chart at right guard or left guard, sorry. Yeah, for some reason, probably, inexplicably, I don't understand. Best position might be tackle, but I think they've been drafting with the idea of mm-hmm. of drafting interior offensive linemen. And I mean, so the thing is that you're gonna have to pay Elton. You can't pay yeah. a left tackle premium money, a right tackle premium money, and a left guard premium money. So you're gonna have to play Elton at right tackle. It just is what it is. Yeah, it's yeah, but you can see that's the way their 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 draft strategies indicates that they thought Elton was a right tackle. Yeah, but anyway, that's what I personally am really excited to see because I can't wait for the day someday, please, hopefully Sunday, ha ha ha, uh, we get our two starting tackles that we were promised. Like, please, for the love of God, please. And I think they were both practicing in teams today yeah that's what I was, I was saying earlier that's what lafleur said today that they were both practicing in teams so while they were both limited it's a good sign that's a good we sign. will take good news but we will take until... good news and, and blow it up into uh any kind of fantastic oh, uh i'll blow it out uh, i'll blow good news out of proportion of any future. day of the week <laughs> but like like i've said a lot of times and like um I've heard a lot of people agree with me. Until they're out on the field and taking snaps in a game, I'm not going to expect anything because I got burned too bad by Bakhtiari just waiting week after week last year. And, and not to not to say it's his fault or anything, but I'm just not going to get my hopes up again. Yeah, so that's also you know the little bit of, you know one of the things we're nervous for the game too is what's the O-line going to look like? And so we'll mm-hmm. see. And, and then if one of them can't go, how do they shuffle around to mm-hmm. – uh, fill it in but hopefully that's not a yeah. question we'll have to have answered this year and you know yash at left tackle i feel okay yeah, i mean I he's going the, against it I is what it is the right tackles the right side of the line that seems like they haven't quite decided what it is if zach tom come on down <laughs> i would love it if it was zach tom but i don't I think mean, that's their plan i mean i would love it i don't know if I don't know if Zach Tom would love having his first game be against two all pro pass rushers, but I'm sure I'm sure he feels he's ready for it. Not to not to say he's not, but that would be a very tough task for a rookie week one. Here you go. Here are two of the biggest, strongest, fastest dudes on the planet. Have fun. I guess we'll I guess we'll see. Especially the stylistic like rushers like that they have in terms of their so powerful and zach tom is is a bit of a smaller tackle the uh it's not a good matchup for him could be the weak spot for tom yeah is uh facing up to a power bull rush so you know that darius likes that you know half man power rush 
you know first three snaps he's just gonna go try and go right through his face and see if he can stop him and if he can't on those first three it's not stopping it's that every single snap for the rest of the game he's gonna try go right through him but like we said that's something we're excited for that's something we're nervous for um like we said earlier, another thing we're excited for is that Jair versus Jefferson matchup, but we touched on that before. Um, but, Dad, who, another thing, who are you excited to see this so weekend? So, is it like excited or curious or hopeful? Maybe? I think it could be all three. You know, a little, I little, mean, that's what I'm little combo. It, it's one of those, and I'm not sure which one you want to say it is. But, uh, yeah, there's the question of what is Sam, Sammy Watkins going to do? Because part of this is like, oh, is, is Lazard going to be able to go? If Lazard I'm, isn't be I'm leaning go, no. I'm leaning he's not going to play. Is right. what I'm thinking. He's basically been a DNP for the first two practices already. But uh, so then, who's the number one? And probably Sammy Watkins. So what is the potential of Sammy Watkins being the number one in the year 2022? So I went back, and, and I think people have been throwing around this notion of like, well, week one, Sammy. Week one, Sammy. Is week like one, week one, Sammy's a Hall of Famer, man. Week, week one, one, Sammy is the first ballot Canton guy. So I went through this a little bit. I wanted to look at a little more detail myself. So what I, I actually looked at um, Watkins' first three games from the last five years. And how did he actually look? So the idea is, how much does he have in, a tank, in the tank when he's not injured? Thinking at the beginning of the year, he's healthy, as healthy as he's going to be. And how well can he actually still play? Does he still have skills? And the answer is, really well. If you so in those fifteen games, if you then take those and prorate it over, you know, a seventeen game season, you yep. would have had one hundred and twenty two targets, eighty four catches, eleven hundred and eighty yards, and eight touchdowns, and a yards per target of nine point seven. Just to put those in context, the number of catches would have been sixteenth in the league last year. The uh, number of yards would have been eighth. The number of touchdowns would have been 12th and the yards per target for qualifying people had at least like 50 catches would have been 20th. So his play week one, Sammy, his play in the first three weeks of the season has been really good. You know, a top, uh, basically a wide receiver one. And there's not actually a significant drop off. From that year one to year um, five that you like were... 27, 2017, he had kind of a little bit of a, a blip, I would say, in terms of uh, yards per catch compared to the others. That's, but that has, you know, uh, a couple really big games. But it's, it's generally, there's not been like this drop-off the last two years compared to the previous ones in terms of well, average. It's like, that... you know... That's why the what, idea of Sammy is so the, tempting. The yards, the yards per game um, in those first three games in 2021, it was 69. In 2020, it was 52. In 2019, it was 104 because he had one big monster game. In 2018, it was 59. And in 2017, it was 65. That's the thing with Sammy. That's why he is such a... The idea of Sammy is better than actual Sammy, unfortunately. Let's hope it's not the case well, this year. I don't think... But the that, idea... Apparently... No, I think idea. the idea of Sammy is better because the, you're you're talking as if those three games, if he has ever kept that pace, which he hasn't. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying he never has. 
what I'm saying is that he can be a beginning of the year frontline wide receiver. Yes. Until yes, that's other, fair. Until other players have um, gotten their feet under them or Lazard is healthy. And maybe I think this that's will a be really the year, good point. like his second year in the league or whatever it was, when he's a thousand yard receiver. I'm not going to count on that, but I think the point about him playing, I think the point about him playing very well and letting the rookie receivers grow into their roles is a really important point to make because I think that's, that's a completely reasonable expectation. Right. And I think that is a reasonable expectation based on what, based on his own history. And that's a history that's already taking into account, you know, the, the disappointments that people have had with him in those years. And, and the thing is, that's the player they paid for. They paid for a player who has been inconsistently injured. If he wasn't inconsistently injured, they would not have been able to afford him. Yeah. Like the other thing that I just wanted to throw in here is like, you know, his his numbers for the 2019 playoffs for the Chiefs. Oh, he kicked ass in the playoffs so for the Chiefs. Like, two catches, 76 yards. Seven catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. Five catches, 98 yards. His three playoff games on their championship run. He had one of the biggest plays in the Super Bowl for them. Yeah, he used, he used, he used he Devontae's used De- route. Devontae's move to beat <laughs> Richard Sherman. Yeah, he said, I saw Devontae do it, and I knew it would work. And I was like, fair enough. So when he's healthy, he can still do it, it seems to be. I mean, the the joke is always that he can't get healthy, and I do feel bad for him on that. I, I'm hoping for him because if he can stay healthy, like you said – that's a top 25 at least receiver in the league. And honestly, you don't even need him to be that. You need him to be good. And you need him to be healthy-ish. I think they should give him the Bulaga treatment, personally. Wrap him in He's duct just, tape. Wrap, sorry, not duct wrap, wrap him in bubble wrap three days a week. Three days a week. At least give him one practice so that... Because him and Rogers haven't played together before. Give him one practice, then wrap him in bubble wrap. And then that's it. You just it. want to keep those hamstrings warm. Otherwise, that, that's it. Just yeah. unroll, unroll the bubble wrap. For keep day. the hamstrings warm, but just just put him in a little bubble because we need him. But uh, in terms of some players that I'm excited for, I'm excited to see uh, Rudy Ford. It's going to be his first game with the Packers. Uh, you know. I love I love a good gunner. Great Rudy Ford gunner. Best I love time. a good gunner. Future Packer Hall of Famer Rudy Ford. Future future goat Packer He's gunner. Going to be so good. They're going to create a position of gunner in the Hall of Fame. Just Canton. for him. Just yes. for Rudy Ford. That's that's that nice Homer take that you come to this podcast for. Um, and then I'm really excited to see Christian Watson's first game on the field. It sounds like he's going to play. He's a full participant in practice. It's going to be his first time ever suiting up for the Packers, preseason or otherwise. So that's really it's exciting. It's going to be like opening a Christmas present, because we don't know what exactly is it's going to look like yet. Yeah. I, how how many – what what percentage of snaps do you think he plays? If Lazard – assuming Lazard does not play, what percentage of snaps oh, do you think he plays? Assuming Lazard does not play, I will say – Okay. Okay. You think Dobbs plays more? I think Dobbs will play more. I agree. I agree. But I think that's I think that's reasonable. I think but, the uh, the primary boundary starting boundary receivers will be Watkins and Dobbs. 
Cobb in the slot. I think the you know, other thing this is going to mean is actually probably more snaps for Amari is one of the because Lazard plays a lot of slot. That's true. That's and true. So I, I think that that slot position maybe split more 50 50 between mm-hmm. Cobb and Rogers without Lazard soaking up some of those snaps. I could see it. And, um, but yeah, those are some things that I'm excited for. Uh, but dad, what, uh, what else are you nervous for besides the O line? Um, kick and punt coverage. <laughs> the old reliable, <laughs> you know, the old unreliable. <laughs> I am, I am less concerned actually for returns because, because, just catch the ball and go I out of bounds. I don't care if we start and, at the 10. You no know, fair catch or let the touchback happen or get, you know, your six yards on a punt return. Did you see um, what, uh, did you and, see and what, then, uh, Bisaccia, think, you know, did you see what Bisaccia said about the return units though? Today? No, I missed that. Presser. He said that Amari is rotating punt returning and kick returning, but they have not set a starter at that position yet. Oh, okay, even though, so the depth chart, well, of course we know the depth chart is sort of a, you know, a, a make-believe fake. document anyway. It's a fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, <laughs> it's a fairy dust. It doesn't yeah, exist. Though, though, though it's not Amari on was... the elemental plane. <laughs> I could do that entire Matthew McConaughey thing, I think, but I won't, I won't, I won't get us copyright stricken for doing that all the way through. Too late. <laughs> I know, right? This has been the Father Son Packers podcast, but any, anyway. But uh, Amari has done the bulk of the returning in, in uh, um, preseason games. Both, yeah, the punting and the and only punt return and kick return. So we'll see. And we'll the see only one that was doing it really besides him was Rico Gafford, who's on the practice and not even on the no, practice squad. They he's cut him. Not on the yeah. team anymore. Yeah, they they he's not on the team anymore. So it, the only one Goodson, really they tried Goodson a little bit. He's not on the team anymore. Well, he's on the. Practice I mean, squad, so they, they if you want to believe up. the unofficial depth chart, Randall Cobb is second on punt return, which they tried it last. Make year of that what make bit, of but, that uh, what you will. When Amari was really struggling, they threw Cobb back there, and that also did not go well. I was going to say, and Cobb struggled too. So here here we are. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, but well, I think, I guess we'll like you said, punt 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 and kick coverage is something you're you're nervous coverage, about. You know, can they can they stay in their lanes? Can they prevent the big returns? Um, how many that, uh, how many starters do you think play on punt and kick coverage? I'm thinking only like three or four. Which three or four are you thinking? Quay, Amos. Quay, Amos is probably going to play some. Quay will play some. Campbell. I wonder, will they put both their starting inside linebackers on coverage? It's really tough, isn't it? It's not ideal. Um, but I think they might, and maybe, well, it's not really a starter. You know, the, Douglas? The starting I could see Maybe. Douglas playing Douglas some could, playing Douglas some teams. Could be playing some teams. Yeah, um, but they did say Basaccia did say starting, he wanted starting, to play starting H back uh, Josiah Deguara, Deguara. starter. He did Basaccia did say he wanted to get more starters on the special teams units. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen. You know, when, when you have Ford as a gunner, and then mm-hmm. maybe some somebody like. Uh, I don't know if Toure is ready. I think he's got gunner potential. He showed some in college. But the, I, past, I would, the past two years, A.J. Dillon has played special teams. I do not think he's going to play special teams this year. Maybe not after that 
broken rib incident. Maybe not after the fact that he's the second best offensive player. <laughs> yeah, that too. And I'm including I'm including Aaron Rodgers. I think AJ Dillon is better than uh, Aaron Jones, in my opinion. In my opinion. AJ Dillon has been more valuable. I think in part last year, AJ Dillon was more valuable because of the makeshift offensive line. They yeah. needed players to make their own yards. Um, I think Aaron Jones can get the big breakaway if he gets through the front of the defense more than Dylan, more often than Dylan can. But without their, you know, two best offensive linemen, they were not as good at making the holes for the runners last year. That's true. And that's another thing. I think actually, if they get their starting running back, it's it's not just about the pass pro; it's about the 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 improvement for the run game too. Yeah. But that's what you're nervous about. What I'm nervous about for this game is if Darnell Savage can't go or if he's limited, who is playing that other safety spot? It's probably Rasul Douglas with Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. I think that's and how probably on, option number one. How on earth are they going to stop Jefferson or Thielen over the top? Am I like... Am I crazy? I'm not crazy, right? Like that's that's concerning, isn't it? It's it's concerning because it's like if Savage isn't back there, there's not a lot of speed back there because Amos is amazing, but he's not that fast. And Douglas is very good, but he's also not that fast. No, I, mean, I think it's going to have to be you know playing back though. Feeling's not that fast. I think, you don't got it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, so, but I, I think you know, Douglas's skills may actually work pretty well with regarding Thielen. Yeah, I'm just I'm viewing Jefferson over under 120 yards for Justin Jefferson yeah. week one. His question: Does Jair follow him no matter where he goes? I think he should. I don't right. know if he will. The question, but is, I think he should. He? Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's a lot harder for him to follow him if Douglas has to play safety and they bring in Nixon. Because Nixon's not playing on the outside. Nixon's a slot-only guy. You can't have Jair follow uh, Jefferson to the slot if Nixon's playing the slot because Nixon can't move outside. It is true that Nixon rated much better in the slot than the boundary last year. But so here are your choices. Do you what's 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 harder, Nixon in the slot where he's better against Jefferson, or Nixon on the boundary against um, who's their number three guy? KJ Osborne, who's actually Osborne. pretty good. Uh, Micah Abernathy season. <laughs> Let's bring him in, folks. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of like Abernathy. I thought he was looking good. I'm and glad they were able to get him back. Very, and he's pretty athletic. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad they were able to get him back. But that's what I'm really concerned about. Um, let's kind of wrap this thing up with some score predictions. Um, Dad, you want to – I'll go first. Um Personally, I think the Packers are going to struggle a lot to start the season. I do still think that they have what it takes to win the Super Bowl. But in this game, I'm taking the Vikings 24, Packers 13. It's in Minnesota. Uh, Packers don't really have their whole starting line. They don't have the number one receiver. It's the first week of the year. I'm, I'm taking the Vikings, unfortunately, I, even I though they are they my least favorite team. I hope they have their starting line. I mean, that's actually more optimistic than what happened last year, and we won 13 games. <laughs> that's fair that's fair but that's but, my so, score prediction i do think the vikings are going to win unfortunately 
I'm going to be pissed same. all week because of it, but it is what it is. I have the same numbers as you, but I have it re- reversed. I have the Packers winning 24-13. I hope I you're right. Because <laughs> I think the Packers' defense is legit, and I don't see the Vikings able to score 24 points on them. I don't think they're going to okay. be able to score very much. I think, the, and and plus, it's who said good. who said anything about the Vikings offense scoring? <laughs> Special teams, two, I'm calling two punt returns or two punt return touchdowns and five safeties, all from the Packers muffing punts. Well, I'll stop making the special teams jokes when the special teams is stops being a joke. Not a, it's not a joke? Yeah, <laughs> that's okay, when I'll well, stop making the special the teams three, jokes. What about the three touchdowns that the Packers defense are going to score? Ah, well, see, Kirk Cousins, <laughs> he'll, he'll let you in the game. He'll let you around. So I, I think that I think the Packers defense is going to shut the Vikings down, and I think they their, their defensive line is so much better. I think it's going to be better against the run than they've been for years. And um, they've got all their... Well, if they have Savage, they'll have their, their main cover guys and their mm-hmm. uh, their their deep protection. We'll see what Savage does. And I think uh, the Vikings are going to take a little while to figure out their offense. It's true. Actually. New it's coaching staff. First, it's very true. First game with the with this new offense. So I think they might they won't have all their all cylinders going either. Fingers crossed. But anyway, Dad, I think we're getting up to about time. But that has been our pregame podcast for the Packers-Vikings Week 1. Uh, we will be doing these every Thursday night, releasing them Friday morning for you guys throughout the year. We will also be doing a postgame pod on Sunday night that we'll be, we will be releasing Sunday night, and you can then listen to Monday morning. Um, but, yeah, we'll be doing two weeks from now on. Uh, we would love if you guys kept listening. We'd love bringing you guys Packers content. Uh, Dad, anything to say to the beautiful people before we call it a night? People, you're beautiful. And uh, fair enough. All you Packers fans, you're... yeah, especially the Packers fans, you're especially extra beautiful. Fans. Or anybody who wants to listen to us, you guys. Are beautiful yeah, too. but the but the Packers fans are extra beautiful. But anyway, that'll be all for us, guys. Thanks again for listening. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs>